0: Philippians chapter two. We're going to look at verses twenty-five through thirty, and uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun read. Let's stand and stretch, and hear God's word today. Philippians chapter two, verses twenty-five through thirty. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also. At least I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let these be your words to your children now, in Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. So, if you read any of the letters of the Apostle Paul, it's easy to see that he crossed paths with a lot of different people. A lot of peeps came in and out of Paul's influence. It's just an array of folks, and some of these individuals, it would seem, were a great hindrance for his work for the Lord. Look at 2 Timothy 2.14, Philippians 1.16, 1 Timothy 1.19 and 20. But Paul, however, most of the people that he met, he talked about as a great blessing in his life and ministry. See, that's what I love about Paul. He had this balance where he would call it what it was, but he'd also then try to esteem and build people up at the same time. And Paul closes nearly every one of his letters with a personal note to some of these very special people. And in the last chapter of the book of Romans, Paul mentions at least 35 people by name. Now, contrary to the trend in our modern society, Paul was a man who made a lot of friends as he traveled through life. And Too many in our day want to isolate and insulate themselves from others. As somebody who's traveled a lot, lived in a lot of places, I I can totally relate to that. But on the other hand, God calls us to be part of community. And so in our text this morning, Paul speaks about a man named Epaphroditus. And this is a man about whom we know not that much. We know next to nothing. uh, But from what Paul tells us, from his name, from the culture, we can gather some stuff up. And I'd just like to share some of that with you today as we examine what it looks like to be a charming Christian or a lovely Christian. Why? Well, because the name Epaphroditus means belonged to or favored by Aphrodite. Aphrodite was the Greek goddess of love. She was also the goddess of gamblers. And so the name Epaphroditus eventually came to mean lovely or charming. And while we may not know that much about our brother Epaphroditus from history, Paul gives us some really cool, key information, and I want to see if he lived up to his name and what does that tell us about us. And so that's our journey for today. See, in these few verses, we're given a glimpse of a man who possessed certain characteristics, and I think it should be and could be possessed by every believer, at least for a little while maybe for a day or two, you follow? I mean, you know, when you take a look and through this examination, a lot of us say, we want to be like that all the time, and then we're not, and we're like, they're all great, and we're losers. And it's like, that's not what we're talking about here. But let's look at these characteristics and see who Epaphrodites was, and maybe it's something that could help us, yes? So in verse 25, we see point number one today. That a charming Christian is a balanced Christian. That a charming Christian is a balanced Christian. It is easy for Christians to get out of balance. That is, we are prone to focus in one area of our Christian walk to the exclusion of other areas as being not important or more than important or just important and finding that balance. And sometimes when we get out of balance, that annoys those around us and that annoys us and sometimes then we start to question each other wrongly people get off balance in the area of fellowship everything is about being with their group and having a good time you know they just that's that's their ministry and anything else that interrupts that is wrong how about another group that just gets out of balance about evangelism <gasps> what yeah you ever seen these people, they're so fired up about evangelism, bringing people to Jesus, they don't care if they grow afterwards. They're just, you know, it's like they're out of balance. They've got this good thing. Of, it, I mean, I think we'd all agree evangelism's a good thing. But if it's out of balance with everything else in your life, it can be something that may not be God's best for us, if you follow what I'm saying. For some, it becomes legalism. Be some, they become so concerned with things and how they think that their line of thinking should be that they look at everybody else and how wrong they are and their wrongy-wrongness. And they have to investigate and correct the motives and actions of others. There are many other areas of life where this is true, and what happens is, is we get out of balance, and we can even bring shame and disgrace on our Christian testimony at times. That doesn't mean we're not saved, but it does mean that we need to get back into balance. And if we see people out of balance, that's where we have mercy and love for our brothers and sisters, yes? See, they're like a wobbly tire on an automobile. You don't throw the whole vehicle out, you fix the tire, yeah? See, Epaphroditus wasn't like this. He was balanced in his walk with the Lord and others. I want to point out three areas where I think the dude was balanced. You ready? He was balanced in his walk as a child. He was balanced in his work as a servant. And he was balanced in his warfare as a soldier. Let's start with the child. Paul calls him my brother. This term refers to those who are members of the same family, to those who are united in the bonds of affection. What Paul's saying is this, you ready? I love old Epaphroditus and he loves me. We are brothers in Christ. Epaphroditus walked with Paul, not against him. That's what I want to find in Harlan, Iowa. And I've already found a bunch of it, and I want to keep finding it. And that is brothers and sisters who say, I love them, and you know what? I know that they love me too. That's true fellowship. Every believer ought to strive for that kind of balance in their life. The Bible makes it pl- clear. We are, bowed, we are uh, duty-bound. We're bound by duty to love each other. And when you don't have the love, I've I've shared with you guys this before, that I don't naturally have the love. God puts it there so strongly that it's almost, I wish I could have conjured it up myself because it actually gets painful. You start caring for people so much that you never had any intention of caring for before. And that's where that balance as a believer comes in. We are believers, we are loved brothers and sisters, follow? There must be mutual concern amongst God's children. And if there isn't, then there's something out of balance, yes? Let's go on to his work as a servant. Epaphrodites was a fellow worker with Paul. In other words, he shouldered his, his portion of the load. He was not a loafer who let other people do everything else. He did his part. That's, you know, maybe you guys don't see it as, as obvious as I, but Iowa is a worker place. People here naturally want to work, want to do things, want to get stuff done. And when you, 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 know, when you find it outstanding, the work ethic that you find in Harlan, Iowa, uh, people wonder why. Well, you'd have to see the work ethic in the rest of the country. It's pretty special here. See... Verse 25 tells us he was a messenger and a minister. He was sent by the church at Philippi as a gift for Paul. He was their messenger. The greatest gift they gave Paul was Aphrodites himself, Epaphrodites himself. Why? Because when he arrived in Rome, Paul had somebody who was willing to do their part. Do you know what makes it easier to do your part? When the people that are around you are doing their part it makes you want to do your part his walk was as a son Epaphrodites was balanced, that refers to the fellowship of the gospel you know it's it's said that 80% of the work in a church is done by 20% of the people we have a lot of good folks here who I think want to continue to serve they just want an opportunity and you want the freedom to be able to have part of your summers off and to do different things. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing that if we would just get more people to participate, it would be that 80% of the people make the work feel like it's 20%. Get what I'm saying? It would be a very, very balanced thing we could do. Lastly, his warfare as a soldier. When Paul called his man a fellow soldier, he's talking about a man who is an associate in the spiritual conflicts of the Christian life. Let me say that again. He is an associate in the spiritual conflicts of a Christian life. They were partners in a common struggle. They were shoulder to shoulder fighting the flesh, the world, and the devil. And they were as one danger every day together. The enemies they encountered and the goals they shared. See, there is a great need and it's going to become greater as the darkness continues to wash over the country that we live in, that we need believers who are not afraid to put on the whole armor of Jesus Christ and stand firm for such a time as this and not capitulate with the world, the flesh, and the devil. We need some partners who will take a stand for the Bible, for the church, for holiness, and for the old-time ways. Yes, they still can apply to us. Yes, we still can embrace them with joy. And we need some battlers, We need some dragon slayers. And let's look at who it is we're fighting. Let's make sure we're clear on who the enemy is. It's in Ephesians 6.12. It tells us this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. If we're going to fight against the darkness, we need to fight against... Satan and his deeds, not against each other. Let's fight the real enemy. And right now, part of that enemy is going to be an angel masquerading as an angel of light. And so, what's your lipness test? Let your lipness test be laying it down next to the Word of God. And if the Word of God rejects it, you should too. What's it? You'll know. You'll know it when you see it. Epaphrodites was a balanced believer. He was active in these areas of life, but he was a charming Christian. Guess what? That means he was a burden Christian. These next couple we're going to go through rather quickly. Point number two: A charming Christian is a burden Christian. He had the focus of fruit, and he had the the focus, uh, uh, or he had the 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 focus of a burden, and he had the fruit of a burden. And the focus of his burden is that. He was sick. That was part of the focus. He was sick right into death, it tells us in the scriptures. So if Paul had healed others, why didn't he heal Epaphrodites? I'm not sure. Man's not in charge of the healing process. God is. But even though he was desperately ill, his focus was not on himself. His focus was on his brothers and sisters at Philippi. He had heard that they had heard he was sick, and now he's burdened because they had heard that he was sick. Guys, you can relate to this. It's one thing to have a medical emergency on your flight at 40,000 feet over the Atlantic Ocean. It's another thing to be that medical emergency at 40,000 feet over the, over the ocean. See, when you're the center of attention and you're sick, you're causing other people to worry. That causes you stress. That is is a love, yes? Some of you know what I'm talking about. It says he was distressed. He was full of heaviness is what the Scripture says. His focus was not on his own condition and needs. His focus was on others and their welfare. In other words, he was displaying absolute Christ-likeness in that situation. What a lesson for our church culture today. So many times... One of the big challenges in my life, and I can only assume for you as well, because of the time and the way we live, and I I think technology has a lot to do with it, we get so focused on self we can't see past the end of our arm. It happens. We get so caught up in our own own game. When you mature as a Christian and something happens, your first thoughts start happening about others, you know the Spirit's working in you. Epaphrodites was a living, breathing commentary on Philippians 2.4. What does that say? Philippians 2.4 says, Everyone should look out not to their own interests, but also the interests of others. And when we put the needs of others first, we end up watching what we do, what we say, where we go, how we react, but we can still do that in the natural, spontaneous way. We can still be authentically real in that process but we want to make sure that we edify and encourage others. It's not easy to do. It's really hard. And I would encourage you, if you take this to heart and you really want to start looking after the needs of others, make sure it's organic. What do I mean by that? I mean, make sure you're not manipulating the situation, trying to do good works. Let it be an organic outpouring of good old-fashioned gratitude for your salvation. Now you want to reach out to others. I don't know. I just want us to be more of encouragers going forward. Point number three, a charming Christian is a brave Christian. A charming Christian is a brave Christian. We've already seen that this man was balanced and that he was burdened. This last verse tells us that he was brave. Don't you love it how three points all have to have the same letter? I had other words, but then I saw this guy had these three words, so I thought, I'll take these three words. In, in, in the ministry, it's called, You Milk a Lot of Cows But Churn Your Own Butter. So I didn't come up with "balanced," burden, and "braved," but I like it a lot. I like it a lot because a, challenge, a charming Christian is a brave Christian, and they are balanced, and they are burdened, and there is a bravery in the service of a... Sold out woman to the Lord. Sold out man of God. And the phrase in verse 30 seems to indicate that the sickness Epaphrodites endured was a result of his labors for the Lord Jesus. Ancient church tradition tells us that Epaphrodites was known for his work among the sick in Rome. It is said that he and others would try to help people that most others would not even dare go near. In other words... In other words, he put everything on the line for Jesus in order to fulfill the Great Commission. For this man, nothing in this life was more important than doing the will of the Lord. Even if doing what God required cost him everything. No question it would be awesome to have men and women who knew no greater goal in life than be obedient to the will of the Savior. Even simple things sometimes like going to church can be too much for the Christian folk of 2023. Man, it would be, like, it would be so awesome to, to see like-minded folks get the heart of Epaphroditus, yeah? Just see people saved and the work of God done in this world regardless of the personal cost. There's bravery in his sacrifice. When the Bible says risking his life, uh, it literally means not regarding his life. It means gambled his life. There's words that mean to throw aside, to throw down. It speaks of another paraphrase of the word conjunction used in the original language is voluntarily hazarding one's welfare and exposing oneself to danger. It's a term used to describe gamblers. Throw your money down. Place everything on the roll of a dice. In fact, many times as a gambler would throw the dice, you know what they would say? You know, when you jump out of an airplane, what do you say? Geronimo, right? Back in ancient times when they'd roll the dice, they would say Epaphroditus. That's what they would say. They'd be, Epaphroditus, when they would say that word, they were asking the god Aphrodite to look favorably upon the wager. In other words, Epaphroditus willingly gambled his life for the cause of Christ. Now, when you know that, they might have in that day actually used Epaphroditus as a code word for somebody who acted that way. Makes sense? So Paul's writing this back to Philippi saying, you know, the Epaphroditus dude you sent, he was really sick, really ill. He's my brother, I'm sending him back to you. Thank you so much. Do you, do you see what kind of guy Epaphroditus could have been? Willingly gambling his life for the cause of Christ. Put his, f- put his life on the line to see others come for eternity. Pioneer missionary Jim Elliot, who gave his life for Christ, trying to reach the Uka Indians of South America, has said, And this quote hangs in a frame in my office. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Many of us are throwing it all in with Jesus as our Savior. He's it. There is no plan B. There's nothing else. We're all in with Jesus. And if we have him and he's our portion, there's nothing you can take away from me, not even my life. And when it comes to material possessions, it's pretty easy. You know, my... You know, everybody says it's because it was my granddaughter. That's why this went down so smooth. But um, they pulled up next to us, and my granddaughter, she's like six, seven years old, kicks open the door and just, boom, puts a dent in my car. Because it's my granddaughter, it's okay. No big deal. It's just a car. And then we have a phrase whenever we're trying to get over a heartache like that. The phrase is, Jesus is coming to burn it up anyway. He's coming to burn up everything, all those material possessions you hold dear, he's coming to burn up. And guess what? If he requires your soul of you tonight, how much did it really matter? Here's another phrase when you think of living like an Epaphroditus. If you want to really, really get in, really get into it and say, God, I want you to do something to me that I can't do for myself. I, I want you to just ask yourself this. If we're standing in front of Jesus in 15 minutes, somehow, some way, is what you're all bummed out about really, really worth it? What you're all clenchy and all worked up about, does it really matter if in 15 minutes, because of some gas explosion or something, we're all standing in front of Jesus with a testimony for the, how we lived our days. Think it through. I, I know this is gonna be a shock to you, but I'm kind of an excitable guy. <laughs> I mean, I we just in my family, we just get worked up and we just and then everything settles down. And every, you know, it's, Emily was just shocked. You know, that we could literally be almost to fist fight blows one minute, and ten minutes later we're helping each other with their car. You know, that's just the way my family was. I don't, I don't think that we're like a great family, but I like us. <laughs> I do, I like us. You know, you, we may not be your cup of tea, but I always looked at it like that was your problem. That's an Epaphroditus attitude. It doesn't matter. We're sold out for Jesus. And you know what? You want to turn your back on Jesus? That's fine. That's where we get into all of these different worlds where we're trying to share the love of Jesus Christ. And people want to come with their questions and their doubts and they want to try to split hairs and do this different thing. And I'm here to tell you they're all welcome and I'll answer all their questions, but it'll become a proclamation, not a debate. I don't need to debate you. I got the word of God on my side. Read it. Don't just try to pull it apart. Read it in its entirety. It'll be the unleashed tiger on your soul. I don't have to save you. you, you, You die tonight in your sins and you go to hell. That ain't my problem. But I'm here trying to help you. So my heart goes out to you. So I'll share the truth with you. And if you reject the truth, yes, it's a real, true spiritual pain that those of us sharing the truth with you go through. But at the end of the day, it's still you and Jesus. What are you going to do with Jesus? Do you know what this church needs? This church doesn't need money. This is God's boat. He knows how to keep it floating. It does not need prestige in the community. You can look for enough people to trash this church in the days moving forward. Why do I say that? Because we are out of step with the world and we don't intend to change. Not political influence, this world and all that is within it will burn one day, as I just told you. What we need is people who will commit themselves to be a little bit more like Epaphroditus today. Now, I mean that you go from being somebody who doesn't hardly do anything for the kingdom. To, you're on the mission field built, you know, digging wells for children with your life. But one step, two steps, three steps. Balanced, burdened, and brave. When, men, women, boys, and girls who will put everything on the line for Jesus and hold nothing back. I want to I be around a group of people that are balanced in their Christian walk. That's what I was looking for. I just went where God sent me. He picked Harlan, Iowa. So, what does that say about you? Why am I here? Why are you here? Are we both here because we desperately want to link arms and walk a balanced life for Christ where He is our portion and He is our everything? I'm hopeful that God will bring brave Christians. And that we will come together at Fresh Encounter Church and make his name great every Sunday. And that there will be good spiritual food being fed here so that you can go and enjoy your week, struggle through your week, endure your week, have victory in your week, and come back with brothers and sisters next Sunday and we do it all over again. Because there's nothing like praising the name of Jesus Christ. It's absolutely incredible. We have a need in this church right now. We have a need for about 20 to 30 adults or senior high kids, freshmen in high school, beyond, to help us with our children's church, our encounter kids. I said, I believe that there's some of you that if you knew that you had to for two times a year, two times a year just be an adult helper, you'd do it if you knew how to sign up and you knew how we could communicate with you. So I'm telling you, you can just send an email to info at fecharland.org. I didn't prepare this, so it'd be on the screen for you. Info at fecharland.org. Most of you can send an email off your phone right now. to have a conversation with us about how you can get plugged in to our children's ministry. And then we have other stuff that we can do too. You know, I always, there's a couple, uh, there's one, well, he's out of high school now, but he's, he always knows Larry's looking for him for communion. You know, <laughs> it's kind of funny. But together we can take these tasks and make them easy when all of us get involved. Many of you want to be involved. You just don't know how. I'm asking you. Send an email to info at fecharland.org and just put get involved. It's not hard. And so I don't know what the message of Epaphrodites from Paul finds you today, but if the Lord has spoken to your heart about these matters, get before him and get it straightened out. Not so that you can live your best life now. No, we're not about that garbage. We're about living eternally with it being well with us with whatever's coming our way. And there's a lot to be joyful for yet. There's a lot of celebration to do as we link arms and walk the walk of disciples together in 2023. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message. Lord, we thank you for Epaphrodites. We thank you for just... The willingness for you to use us in spite of our weaknesses. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just ask you to speak to our heart now. If there's anybody here that needs you, would they cry out to you right now? And would you touch them in a way that we can't? Be with us and keep us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of my husband, Chris Danielson. Bibleidiots.com is still the website for this show, but we have grown. The new parent ministry is found at freshroadmedia.com. We would love to have you join us on our sister broadcast, a talk show that walks out Christian living and Bible apologetics entitled No Apology with Emily and Chris, a weekly download from freshroadmedia.com. Both broadcasts are listener supported and we would love to have you join us as the Lord leads. I'm Emily Danielson, and thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And may you see the blessings of the Lord as you go and serve your King.